Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I have Rahul here from Stamford, Connecticut, and Alex from Waterville, Maine. Gentlemen, what a Champions League night it has been indeed. Nine years in the making, and here we are in the Champions League final again. Rahul? I am so excited, Jackie. I mean, if you were told any Chelsea fan at the start of the season we'd be in the final, everyone would have just laughed off and, and said, stop playing the FIFA on your, on, your, on your computer or whatever. But we've made it. Alex? Yeah, this was, this was a crazy game. And it, it just so happened to uh, take place on my birthday. So what a present that was. Fantastic to see. I mean, I, I just loved how much the guys wanted it. It was it was so clear that they were passionate from the beginning. Um, and the post-game celebrations were amazing to see as well. Everyone had a smile plastered on their face. Um, you, you have to believe they're taking that energy into the final. What a present indeed for your birthday. And talking about people after the game, Rahul and I were fortunate enough to be together. And the celebrations were pretty wild in this one pub that we were together. And I think we were the only football fans there, so... That was pretty amazing. But Rahul, why don't you take us through the quick scoreline? And for anybody who doesn't know, we played Real Madrid in the second legs of the semifinal. And here we go, Rahul. Yeah, so it ended 2-0. And Timo Werner getting the first goal uh, in the first half, which was uh, very crucial, I believe, in how this game went. Because at, up until that point, it was kind of back and forth. Madrid were trying to unlock the Chelsea defense and were not getting much out of it. And then we go ahead and, and get the first goal, which only meant that Real Madrid were going to open up even further because they had to go chase that away goal. Uh, and we'll talk about this in a second, but we had a lot of chances after that first goal. Uh, but eventually the second goal did come in the second half. Pulisic assists to Mason Mount. And at that point, 2-0 up with about, I believe, 10 minutes or so to go. That game was done. It was done indeed. But Alex, I want to bring you in on the first goal and the second goal. But with the first goal, we want to talk about the combination of the Germans up front and N'Golo Kante linking them up. I thought that was incredible. Your thoughts? Yeah, that was a vintage Kante performance. The fact, I mean, people tend to judge him. I would say maybe people who don't watch the game uh, with as much nuance might judge Conte on stats. They might say, oh, he's not he's not statistically stacking up to where he should be, or, oh, I don't think he's been good. I think he's out of form. We saw plenty of people criticizing him. Even earlier this season, um, he had some critics, but wow, has he silenced them um, with, is, it may well be his third straight UCL man of the match, or it's, it's at least his second, um, second, I believe then. But the fact that for both goals, he was an integral part of the link up, I mean, that's something that traditionally we see as one of his weaknesses, that, that uh, decision-making in the final third. Um, we see him as a ball winner, but not necessarily a ball progressor. But on both of our goals, N'Golo Kante played a completely key role, and I loved that second one especially. Um, it, it was exactly how I remember when we first signed him, winning the ball high up the pitch, instantly transitioning into attack, and a beautiful finish to put us 2-0 up. So, I, I absolutely loved everything about that Conte performance and a well-deserved man of the match uh, on the official scorecard for him. 
love that you said that he's the typical ball winner that we remember of N'Golo Kante. And I read an interesting quote this week, Rahul. I'll bring you into this one. For years, the typical ball winner or the defensive midfielder has been known as the Makalele position. Familiar name here for a lot. Apparently, this quote came out from Makalele himself saying, I'm from history. This should now be known as the Kante position. Now, how true or false this quote is, I won't get into that. But it is something interesting to see that he does more than just the typical defensive ball winning game. He actually drives us forward. Not always the best final pass, but in this game, spot on every time. Spot on every time, like you said. And in fact, I was asking for him to release it a little bit sooner in the first leg. Uh, so maybe he tuned in and heard heard my criticism or feedback. Sure. Uh, but he was absolutely spot on with everything he did in this game. And if we're going to rename the position to the Conte position, I have no issues with that. Uh, it would be nice to do that after he's gotten the Champions League uh, winner's medal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another person that partnered him and had a wonderful game as well, and people who are listening to this and have followed the podcast from the beginning must be thinking, I'm doing something different or I'm watching a different game. Not the biggest fan of this player usually, but in the last couple of months, Jorginho has not put a foot wrong. Alex? Yeah, I mean, he was incredible once again and it's funny because he never gets the the credit for any good Chelsea performance and that's just sort of the nature of his role when when Chelsea have a good game nobody talks about Jorginho that's that's how it goes because that means that he as you said didn't put a foot wrong found the passes quickly high completion percentage recycled possession um, and just kept our entire attack flowing kept our defense nice and stable um, I believe he had the most tackles one and ball recoveries on the pitch. I think he had something, so, something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but I saw there was, it might've been six tackles or something like that. Um, a lot of, a lot of ball recoveries as well. And just, just as we said with Conte um, going forward, we often criticize his, his final pass, his decision-making um, Jorginho. We often criticize, or certainly historically he's been criticized for his defensive contributions which sometimes due to his lack of pace um and and he's not a traditional cdm uh can seem to be a bit of a liability but i don't know what he's done in these past couple games but he has been amazing and let's not forget he had a yellow card as of the 13th minute um but still performed completely well and did not get sent off those are all great points and really he's thriving underneath tuchel but alex i'm going to stick with you for just a minute because i want to talk about that second goal and a famous quote maybe not so famous quote that came out from Christian Pulisic after the game on his feelings and thoughts about coming off the bench rather than maybe starting. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. So Christian Pulisic had almost an uncharacteristically honest interview after the game. Um, the reporter led by asking him whether he was frustrated uh, not to have started saying it, it, it must've been frustrating. And he said, I'm very frustrated. I've had to continue to prove myself over and over again. He said, as with all games, I wanted to start. Um, so obviously, uh, then, then, of course, he was pictured celebrating. He was happy as ever. He's, he's a team player. And you saw the pictures of him celebrating with Werner after Werner's goal. He was uh, the first person Werner ran to. He was hugging him on the sideline. So that was, that was good to see. Obviously, Pulisic's not a complainer. He puts his head down and works. But you have to say it was, it was harsh after he, he gets our only goal in the away leg. Uh, performs very well, um, and here he is. He he comes off the bench. I certainly did not. I, I did my part to fuel the outrage. I will I will fully admit. 
Uh, so, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that was. You can't really criticize it. And that's where I run into a bit of an issue being both a big Polisic and Chelsea fan because the Chelsea fans say, oh, whatever, we won the game. And the Polisic fans say, this is complete disrespect to Captain America. And I'm like, well, I mean, Tuchel's game plan got it done, but Christian's not happy. How do you balance that? Yeah, here's how I look at it. And Rahul, I'll bring you in for a quick comment because I want to talk about another player in just a minute. And I'm not upset about the way his interview went down. It was almost along the lines of, I'm frustrated, but guess what? When the Champions League final, and I played a big part to this. So people are going to keep watching. And if you want me to put my head down and keep proving it, guess what? I'm here to keep proving myself. And that's how I took it. I think competition and for lack of a better word, that fire that Christian Pulisic has in his belly is not going to die out, which means he's going to keep trying and keep trying and performing the way he's performing. So Rahul, quick thoughts before we move on. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, he's not going to say, well, I'm happy to be sitting on the bench as long as the team wins. You know, he's a professional. He wants to play every game. He stayed fit for a few weeks now, over a month, which has not been the key. So uh, he's frustrated. And I'm happy to see that he's frustrated because he can make the difference on uh, in the first 11 and coming off the bench, which is what he did in this game. So no issues for me. Yeah, and he's been world-class, guys. World-class when he's come off the bench. And so we know we have a weapon that can come off the bench. And of course, he's been world-class when he starts major games, like Alex, you touched on in the previous game. But another man that has been world-class, and a few weeks ago, we were scratching our heads on whether he was the first choice or not, and that is Edouard Mendy. He was excellent. Raul, we were sitting next to each other, and I think, like you said, after that first goal, Madrid was piling on the pressure. Benzema was shot from outside the box. Tony Cruz was firing them in. There's pressure from the wings and crosses, and I think he captured, stopped, kicked, whatever he had to do to stop the ball going in the net. He definitely did. He turned into Spider-Man with his uh, dives and his ability to shot stop from wherever the ball was coming. Uh, And I think that was the difference between the first leg and the second leg, which was uh, even when Madrid turned it on a little bit and tried to put the heat on us and got beyond our defense, Mendy was there to stop them. And that's all you can say about him. He's been excellent shot stopping wise. And that's what we saw in this game. Yeah, that was... I mean, I particularly, my heart was in my mouth when some of those shots were coming in. The, I, I mean, oh boy, I know my dad watches or listens to this podcast, but I will say I was, I was monitoring the progress of the game from my French Zoom class, and I paused in the middle of one breakout room and had my hands on my head because I thought surely, surely Benzema had put it in. Um, but out of absolutely nowhere, I mean, those were some Petr Cech type saves. It was, it was quite funny. Um, and it, it was just amazing to see the, the, the reflex save on the header, particularly I thought was just fantastic. And you, you, you say, oh, you know, he should be saving that, but there are plenty of goalkeepers who let that go straight past them before they can even get a hand up. Um, I mean, I, I, I posted one edit of him wearing the, uh, black Panther suit, the superhero, I mean, there's no better description for how how agile he is. And I think it's all the more impressive considering how how tall and imposing he is. I, I would almost assume he's not not to hate on Courtois, who also, we must say, had quite a good game himself personally. Um, but Courtois never seems like a very mobile keeper. He seems a little more lanky. He seems like a stopper type, doesn't quite have the the mobility. But Mendy has has seems to have added some serious quickness to his game when necessary. And I think he's growing in confidence as the games go on, especially when you make those big early saves against a Real Madrid that's ready to fire on all cylinders. 
I mean, it's something that's worth mentioning that he has really grown from not just being the shot stopper, like you've said, but how can he be quick and agile to make sure? And I think his vision's improving too, guys. I'm seeing him release the ball a lot quicker or find a pass a lot quicker. And I probably found a diamond in, in the rough here. So hopefully that works out really nicely for us. But one thing I want to ask both of you guys, and Rahul, I'll start with you first, is we had 15 shots, five of those on target. Madrid had seven shots, five on target. But we only had 32% of the ball. Are you happy with that kind of gameplay? Do you think we need more of the ball? As long as we win, I don't care how much <laughs> of the ball we have. Uh, but it's funny you say that. I was reading a stat and it said Chelsea beat Real Madrid with possession of 32%. Uh, last winning a UEFA Champions League match with less possession against Barcelona in 2012. So for correlation there. So for all the posts that I've been seeing connecting <laughs> 2012 to this year, here's yeah, one so more many. for you guys. Oh my goodness. You know, it's funny actually. And this one's for Alex's dad. I actually watched the semifinals of Chelsea versus Barcelona where Torres scored that last, last, last ditch goal in one of my classes. And don't worry, Alex's dad, I graduated college and I was fine. So Alex, you continue watching those games during your break in French class. I support this. <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, it's, I mean, what a game, honestly, what a way to finish it out. And I was, I was, I was so happy to see how it turned out. Um, there's just nothing better. There's nothing better. And I'm, I, I have to be careful not to schedule any more classes at this time slot and in, in future semesters, that was a serious overlooking on my part, but yeah, I mean, couldn't be happier with how this played out. And on that possession point, I think it's, it's not, it's, it's one thing, say, uh, a Mourinho at Spurs type low possession where you had, you had Tottenham fans and no, no, no offense to Tottenham, but when Tottenham fans are complaining, you know it's, it's probably pretty bad. Uh, they've certainly lived through their fair share of disappointment. I mean, every team has, but when they're complaining that Mourinho is sitting back and creating nothing, say, um, that was one criticism I saw leveled at him, um, maybe maybe earlier before he had Harry Kane firing it's just it's disappointing to watch the game you don't actually feel like you're enjoying it this was not one that felt like we were getting battered I mean certainly there were periods of pressure but from everything I saw and and I, I posted after the game saying as well that we we really outclassed Madrid and if you can if you can play with 32 percent possession and outclass a team that's a Spanish giant with that European pedigree I mean, that's, that's entirely different to playing with 32% possession, no shots, no chances created, right. um, just sitting back, parking the bus, as some might say, you know, I, I have no complaints there. Yeah, yeah I think that's a 100% valid point. Rahul, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say to support that, uh, we've mentioned the expected goals kind of figure in the past. And so Chelsea's expected goals for this game was 3.99 and Madrid's was just point. Zero uh, point five two. So it shows you, like Alex was saying, that uh, you know even with less of the ball and less of what just controlling the game and dominating, we had the better chances and we were expected to score way more than Madrid were. This is a good segue, guys, because we're expected to score way more than Madrid were, and we finished two nil. No complaints here overall. But now I'm going to be a little nitpicky and talk about maybe some missed chances. Expected is three point nine nine. In that first half, within the first thirty forty five minutes, we could have been four five six nil up. There were several opportunities where I think we just weren't that much more clinical, or we didn't make the right decision in the final minute or so. 
are these things that are going to, you know, ruin them in the future against maybe a Manchester City? Alex? It's, yeah, it's certainly a danger. I mean, you, on the one hand, you do have to go into every game and say, they got the job done this week. They came out against a strong Madrid team and, you know, maybe the nerves were there. Maybe Courtois had a fantastic game as he did. Things are going to happen every week and they got the job done. So certainly we cannot complain, as you said, about the result. But you do, you do want to make sure it's not a pattern. Um, and I think that is something we've been seeing where I, even under Lampard, I know for a while, uh, his, I, I was as avid a Lampard backer as anyone. So I was also uh, one sharing those charts showing that, well, on expected goals against and expected goals scored, we should be doing a lot better in the table than we were under Lampard. So you can say, I mean, certainly I think Tuchel, we would all say no disrespect to Lampard is a bit of an upgrade, but you know, you, you have to actually convert those chances. It's been something we're struggling with and I really hope it doesn't come back to bite us. Yeah, it hurts to say that Tuchel is a bit of an upgrade on Frank, but it is the truth. We are performing. We're in two finals now, and you know we're marching towards the top four. So I'll bite my tongue on Frank. I love Frank, but Tuchel is doing a phenomenal job. And Rahul, you and I need to, to have a special release episode of what we talk about when you were discussing Tuchel and your thoughts on him, but we'll leave that for the future. Your thoughts on, on these missed chances, because City are a team that do take their chances Maybe Madrid didn't take theirs as much. City are a team that do take the chances and they defend very, very well. They do. And we've seen that throughout the season that they haven't conceded that many goals. In fact, in the game we played against them in the FA Cup semifinal, uh, we had a couple of chances and we eventually took one. But uh, you have to expect that City will end up playing way better in the final of the Champions League than they did in the FA Cup semifinal. Um, and we actually have a good preview to that coming up this weekend. So we'll get to that in a bit. But I agree with you guys. I think uh, we have to get a little more clinical if it's not taking every chance, which I'm not expecting, but at least score when you can so that we're not sitting in the Champions League semifinal in the 81st minute, hoping that we get a goal and we're a little more comfortable, which it came eventually, but it could have been way easier from the second half onwards if we had taken the chances yeah and just as you say it could have been easier I, I did stop to think it's it's so easy to get caught up in the fact that this was a brilliant brilliant game brilliant performance uh, everyone was was buzzing on the Chelsea side um, myself included but after all those missed chances I mean I was I had my my head in my hands at some of those I think Havertz missed a 1v1, Mount missed a 1v1, Conte missed a 1v1, Havertz hit the bar twice, I believe, Silva headed wide, I believe twice as well, he headed over once and wide once on a corner, free headers in the box, these were serious, serious chances, and all it takes is one moment of Kareem Benzema magic, as we saw in the first leg, and suddenly we're sitting on a, on a game tied on aggregate, um, and tie, tied a uh, at Stamford Bridge. So it so easily could have gone wrong. I think it's it's something where you don't want to get bogged down in the negatives after a very nice 2-0 win, but I can't imagine how frustrated Chelsea fans as a fan base would have been right. if Madrid had equalized and then, say, gone on to win in a penalty shootout because that would have been brutal. And, and you know what, Alex and Raul, I think sometimes in these Champions League nights and, and on the road to the, the finals of the Champions League, you need a little bit of luck. And whether that means the luck was that we scored our two goals and we got away with it, or 
hey, we're lucky that we missed so many good chances and we still got away with it. I think you need a little bit of luck and we took that luck. But one thing I want to ask you guys is I think Conte was declared the official man of the match, if I'm not mistaken. But I want to see if you agree, if you have any honorable mentions or you have another man of the match in mind. Rahul? I, I agree with Conte. He was all over the place and he was heavily involved with the two goals. Uh, but I would also give it to uh, one of our defenders, and it has to be Rudiger with the mask on. Uh, he was driving forward when he could. He took shots from outside the box when he could. And it's a complete turnaround for what we've seen from Rudiger, say, towards the end of last season, where he got spun by uh, Yarmolenko, if I remember, from West Ham. He's way more solid. He's way more confident of what he's doing. And ever since Tuchel's come in, like we've been talking about Jorginho, Rudiger has been solid. So he's going to be a key player for us for the rest of the season. And uh, I just want to give him a shout out. Yeah, Alex? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good shout for sure. And I think Conte, obviously, you can't argue with the official nomination. But given that it's not our responsibility to give the official man of the match, I would personally say Mendy, um, just for the fact that after a lot of, after a few years now, a, a, a couple years, I guess, of, of worrying about our goalkeeper situation and no, nothing bad about Keppa. I still think he has talent, but we were not always this secure in net. Um, and certainly a lot of that comes down to the defense, but Mendy made some fantastic stops. And if he plays like that in the final, we beat Man City, frankly. Now we can't rely on Mendy making world-class saves every time uh a player takes a shot at him. So uh, it's, it's, it's not his responsibility to save every single shot that comes at him. He's supposed to save um, the ones that he realistically can. So, you know, it's going to take a lot more than just another brilliant goalkeeper performance to, to go all the way, but he, he deserves just as much credit as anyone for his performance. And I like the Rudiger situation too. I think I need to, in the future, be even more open about my opinions as they develop because I remember, it's, it's easy to claim this now, but I remember back, especially uh, under Antonio Conte, there was at one point where Rudiger was looking like one of the best defenders in the league um, on form. And then he went through a period where a ton of Chelsea fans were completely slandering him and saying like he was trash. He needed to get out of the club. He was not Chelsea quality. And I, I vividly remember thinking to myself, and this is why I need to say these things out loud so I can, I can cash in on this in the future. But I remember thinking there is absolutely no way that the Antonio Rudiger, who at least, at least certainly looked like one of the best defenders in the Premier League um, for weeks on end, is suddenly uh, not Chelsea quality. I, I did truly believe that he had it in him, and it looks like Tuchel has brought that out. Yeah, I love that you guys are bringing up some of these other players. Not that they're not valuable, but maybe the ones that don't get so much light shed onto them. because. As I've said, every single player, I don't think any player put a foot wrong, to be honest with you. I think every single player really pulled it all. For me, guys, I'm going to give it to one man, and I think I say his name quite a bit, and that's Mason Mount. 22 years old, Lampard's son, a favoritism, Gareth Southgate's son. But he was world-class in that first house, especially. Well, I think I saw him do a couple of tricks to go by Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos and almost drop them a few times. And I was like, who is this Mason Mount? But he plays in all positions. He brings the energy. He continues to perform. And he got a goal that just put Madrid to bed. So, again, every single name, every single 11, plus the guys that came off the bench were brilliant. 
And I'm excited that we're in the Champions League final. I think it's going to be something that we all have to look forward to. And hey, maybe the three of us can watch it together at some point. That would be great. Yeah, that will be great. A <laughs> uh, couple of points. Jackie, coming to you first. The Mason Mount point, not only on the field, but off the field too. There was an interview he did where he spoke about, didn't explicitly call out Tony Cruz, but said one of their players had said they don't be, lose sleep over us individual players but maybe they will now as a team, uh, which was just, it just shows you the character and the confidence running through him. And he's a Chelsea boy and he's showing it that I'm, I'm proud to you know defend my club and my badge and my, and, and the colors. And then on the other point for uh, Alex, you did say a two nil scoreline. So uh, wanted to bring it back to that since you were mentioning that you wanted to be a little more <laughs> vocal about your uh, uh, thoughts and stuff. So you did get it spot on and, uh, we will be coming back to you for more predictions. Well, that's good. I, I, I remember as well, just, just to be sure, I also mentioned on my own account my dream that I had the night before uh, this game against Madrid, where I, I had a, an oddly specific dream that Christian Pulisic scored a goal and it was ruled offside and then overturned <laughs> to be a valid goal by VAR. Now, you could say what you want about the fact that VAR is so... Uh, so much a part of the game that it's made its way into my dreams but you know I I, I, I said that just to be sure um, and I think I, I will lean on the the excuse that he wasn't started in the match if you were started I will say he, that my dream would have come true it was a vision perhaps not a dream um, however Tuchel, uh, Tuchel squandered that dream but it's okay because he still had his impact and back on that Tony Crow's point as well I absolutely love that Mason Mount is not taking anything from these 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 high profile players and it is funny i mean tony cruz is is renowned for being a bit of a grumpy guy after he had a feud i believe it was him over obama yang and his excessive celebrations right. yeah which there, there were some absolutely golden memes out there about tony cruz when 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 people are happy uh, because he does not appear to to share in that joy sometimes. He seems quite serious. Fantastic player, but he also replied, uh, ESPN FC said Mason Mount didn't forget Tony Kroos's comments and posted that. He replied and said, still sleeping, okay, in response to the, they need to lose sleep about us as a team. He said, still sleeping, okay, but well done yesterday. This, I, it, it almost feels like it's slightly, I mean, it's certainly salty. He says, congrats. Good luck in your first CL final. I mean, nice classy message. You feel like he's still a little bit rattled. And one of the, for the top comment under that is how are you still tweeting from Conte's pocket? <laughs> <laughs> I have to appreciate there. What a game from that man. No, honestly, going to the Champions League final after nine years, guys, it's, it's honestly brilliant. And if you haven't caught it, we are playing Manchester City in the final. Manchester City ended up winning their game 2-0 against PSG, taking the game 4-1 on aggregate. So they're a team in fine form. It's going to be something we're going to review a little bit closer as we get to it. But one other piece of history that happened this weekend is both the Chelsea teams, the senior men's team and the senior women's team are going to Champions League finals. You cannot make this up. You cannot write this up. Guys, both of our teams, men and women, are making it into the Champions League final. Rahul, thoughts? I'm excited, man. I, I The women's game was a little more poised and centrally poised in the fact that they lost the first leg. We had covered it on one of our previous episodes. So they were down to one. They come back home. And what a performance. If you haven't watched it, 
go check it out on YouTube. It's back and forth and uh, Chelsea go one nil up from who else, but super fan Kirby uh, assisted by Sam Kerr. So those two have developed an excellent relationship over the course of this season uh, at one nil. There's a brilliant clear clearance from Carter who keeps it at one nil for Chelsea. Then Byron get their way goal. So that's now, you know, swinging in their direction then in the, at the end of the first half, G So Young scores and makes it 2-1 to Chelsea. And so you're like, all right, now Chelsea in the driver position. Second half back and forth until the 83rd minute where, Jackie, I'm going to let you say her name again. Anil Erda. Scores and makes it 3-1 to Chelsea on the day and 4-3 on aggregate. And then it's just back and forth and back and forth. And it's the longest, like, seven minutes of... <laughs> of a game and in all of that time Bayern basically almost scored from a corner which was cleared from the line Sam Kerr missed a chance it comes back to Bayern they have a corner in the 94th minute which is deflected off of Ericsson goes out for another corner goalie comes up it's just drama action packed and all of that leads to the empty net for Bayern which Frank Kirby gets the ball and scores and makes it 4-1 on the day and then Chelsea go to the final for the first time ever in the club's history on the women's side and uh, will play Barcelona in Sweden. So, like you said, both the teams making it to the finals and hopefully both of them win it. Wow, that's a nail-biter and exciting, Rahul. That is an amazing, amazing achievement from both the men's and women's team. But this women's team in particular needs the credit that they get. I think they've gone through some amazing times this season. And Emma Hayes has really got them shaped up to making this run to the final. And if I'm Roman Abramovich right now, I'm immensely proud of this football club. Both of his senior teams making it to finals. You're talking about, you know, TV rights. You're talking about major money, especially with COVID and the whole Super League thing that came down. This is what we want to see. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I can't imagine any better way for us to continue celebrating Champions League, Champions League with two of us going into the finals. Yeah, you're spot on. And you brought up Emma Hayes. She's been at the club for 12 years and has worked every day, every season for this moment. And you could see the emotions running through at at full time, tears, of joy, not only by Emma Hayes, but the players themselves who've been working at this. And some of them have joined the club. Some have left and come back. And, you know, it's, it's moments like these that make you proud as a fan, obviously winning is, is the, is the ultimate goal, but seeing the emotions and seeing how much these people care about the club that you supported all your life shows you what this game is all about. And Emma Hayes even ended up using some colorful language live on live television. Uh, but she was very honest and said, this will shed the light on Chelsea Football Club, the women's team, because this is something that we've been working on for years and have finally achieved it. It doesn't end now. They've got to win the trophy. But whatever happens from this point forward in the final, they'll always remember these moments in, in that game against Bayern Munich. That's a brilliant point. We, as much as fans want us to win the trophy, I think what this women's team has achieved this season can never, ever be taken away from them. Especially if they go on to win it, that's something they're going to be cemented into the history of Chelsea forever. But again, we don't want that pressure on our girls. I think they're going to go out there and get the job done. It's, again, a Champions League final. You need a little bit of luck. And how wonderful it would it be to see both the men's and women's trophy coming home to Chelsea. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Wow. 
And, and it's almost so, turning into like whatever one team can do better, the other one goes out and like tries to one up them. <laughs> so the women's final is on May 16th. So that gives the men about two weeks to kind of process and, and take in uh, <laughs> what happens in that final so that they can go out and get their job done. Yeah, I believe I mentioned as well. They, uh, I think I mentioned last time that perhaps uh, Werner should should be given a ticket uh, to watch the Chelsea women's team score some goals, just just to remind him how it's done. And maybe he took us up on that because uh, he he got the job done for us he, this past game. Most definitely, he did. So, all right, gentlemen, we want to move on and wrap up Champions League. It doesn't. Take away from the excitement we're all feeling here with both of these teams. I think I've mentioned that multiple, multiple times now. But let's jump into uh, review first because I want to talk about Fulham. And then we'll jump into the preview for Manchester City. So really quickly, Chelsea beat Fulham 2-0 with both goals coming from another German in the form of Kai Havertz. And a lot was made about this man Myself included, Rahul, Alex, and we've all spoken about Kai Havertz and maybe he needed time. Maybe his time is now, guys. Alex? Yeah, this is, he's absolutely going right to the top. This, I feel like, who was it? Harry Redknapp, was it? Who, who said of, I think it was him who said of uh, a young Frank Lampard, he's going right to the very top. It was clear when he was bought, anyone with a, a footballing IQ could see his talent um, and it's amazing to me. I think I was, I was talking with my mother earlier uh, today and she was mentioning that she thought he'd adjusted quite well, especially, I mean, no disrespect to Werner. He has not had as bad a season as people make it out to, to be, but um, Havertz seems, it seems has had an even more impressive comeback uh, from some of those early season lows. When you consider his performance in recent games, um, the fact that he's now being played up top, grabbing goals, there was a clip of him uh, nutmegging Tony Kroos uh, in this this most recent game. He he really was just he was just he's been impressive. There's no other way other way to say it. And we've been talking about how long will it take until he adjusts. We're only going to see the best of him next season. I think he's giving us a little preview of that because yeah. I mean certainly could have had a couple goals as well. He was unlucky even on that Werner goal. Uh, he chipped and and smacked the crossbar, and that was how Werner got his goal against Madrid. So there is nothing but good times ahead for for that boy, Kai. Yeah, Rahul, and we were pretty dominant against Fulham. I think we could have had several more goals. Kai Havertz was on the verge of a hat-trick a few times, but really both of his goals were very, very silky finishes. I think that's something that's important to note is his movement and his touch is something which is very for lack of a better word, classy. I mean, just to tap the ball in, he almost has this sense of composure where he's not rushing to put the ball in the net. It gives me a little bit of nervousness because I'm like, can you just kick it? Can you just score? Can you put it away? But it's almost like he's two or three steps ahead of us as far as what Alex said with the footballing brain. He knows what he's going to do. He knows he's going to chip it or he's going to slide it past the goalkeeper. And he's not panicking, which is something that's important to see for a man of 21. We've talked about he needed time to settle. But against Fulham, really, both of his goals were very, very smooth. Elegant, staying on side with that second goal to just get the through ball was brilliant. Thoughts on that one? I, I agree with you. And I think we're seeing the player that we bought or invested in now or in the last few weeks. And that's just down to him settling, understanding what's required of him in the Tuchel system as a false nine or as the attacking midfielder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think under Lampard against, again, no hit on Lampard. 
Cavers was playing as a number eight. He was switching to a number 10. He was switching out to the wing. And there was just too many changes. They obviously also got COVID in that time and new to the league and all that added to it. But he's settled now. You can see he knows what he wants to do with the late finishing. Like you were saying, that's okay with me because we've seen with Timo, sometimes he snaps and takes it too early. So all good things. And we're seeing a lot of these players feel comfortable in what they're doing, which is what you want from their team because you can't have people not sure of their responsibilities and what they're supposed to do. So credit to Tuchel, but also credit to Havertz for uh, pushing on and not taking the criticism he was getting earlier in the season too hard. You make a good point, Rahul. And Alex, I'll bring you in for this question here. Is this credit to Tuchel? Is it Tuchel do something different to get the best out of Kai Havertz? Or is this down to what Rahul is saying in that Kai Havertz is now feeling comfortable, feeling settled, feeling more confidence in himself maybe? Yeah, I think it has to be said that Kai himself, I mean, you have to give Kai himself all the credit for, for how he's progressed this season. Um, he had a bit of promise. He had some shakier times. And now he's really, you know, as, as you said, Rahul, he's showing exactly what we paid for. Um, I mean, this he's showing why he could be a 70-something million player, let alone the fact that he's still, what, 21 years old, I believe. Um, so, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable potential in this squad. And it's so funny to call it potential because we're at, um, we're at a point where we're actually performing at a high level. I mean, you talk about potential for teams that are young and fall short, maybe an Ajax team who's stacked with talent, but not quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, here, here we're in the Champions League final off of this. And it has to be said that Kai himself personally, I think, took everything perfectly uh, took the advice from his coaches, his managers, and there we go. He's, he's absolutely getting it done now, and there's nothing better to see. Rahul, wrapping up thoughts on Fulham before we move into Manchester City? I do want to point out that a certain Billy Gilmore played in midfield in, in the Fulham game, and it was good for him to come back and get a game and let Jorginho and Conte rest for the Madrid game, which obviously worked out well now that we know the result. But for Gilmore, a lot of fans have been saying, well, you know, Tuzel's come in, results are going well, but the player developments kind of stopped with the younger guys. So it was good to see him get a game. And I think he did pretty well. He was running the midfield like he does all, all whenever he plays. And uh, it gives Tuchel another option with some of the games coming up and uh, knowing that Kovacic is still out. You know, having Gilmore fit and ready and confident is always a benefit. Yeah, and one more point on that, the, the Tuchel... The, the development point, I think that's, it's also tough for us to judge him now because he came in mid season, took over from Lampard. Our club was in, was it ninth perhaps? Yeah. Uh, we, we were not in a great position in the league. Um, so he's come in at the most critical stage of a season to a team that he didn't know a league that he didn't know. Um, and he's performed extraordinarily well. I believe it's 18 clean sheets in 24 games, something like that. It's, extraordinarily impressive what Tuchel has done and I completely feel the fans who who say we want to see Gilmore playing I I know I follow a few Hudson Adoy fan pages they want to see I mean what's happened to him he was performing quite well and all of a sudden the results are going our way but Hudson Adoy can't get minutes we know he's a class player so it's very tough to watch some of these young players who we love and maybe who got a few more minutes under Lampard um 
start to, to ease off on that, but it must be remembered that we're at a completely critical point at the end of the season. So I'm sure some of these players who seem marginalized now will get a bit more of a look come next fall because right now it's do or die. And if the results are going our way, I can understand the selection process. And you guys bring up some good points. I just want to chime in as well before I forget my points as well. On the fact of youth is we were worried about Mason Mount. He's played almost every game, if not all games under Tuchel, which is great. You're worried about Ben Chilwell, who seems to now become the first choice left back and pushed Alonso back out. So he's not forgetting the youth. You've looked at Reese James, who's now pushed Callum to the side, but Reese is also youth and he's playing many games back and forth. So it's not like Tuchel's turned a blind eye. He's, I think he's personally picking the players that are performing week in, week out on the training pitch. And so we've heard things about Callum in the past of how he trains and maybe he may have an attitude. I think some of these things will come to light. And if they can get past those things and train very hard, I have no doubt that Tuchel will end up bringing them back into the squad. So that's going to be interesting to see as it develops. But now a big game to go towards for the weekend, and that is Manchester City. Rahul, why don't you take us through the first thoughts? Before I do that, I just want to touch on Tuchel's record. It's been about 100 days since he came in. Uh, And so 24 matches, 16 wins, 6 draws, and 2 defeats. Goals scored, 32 goals conceded, 10. 18 clean sheets like Alex mentioned, and the win percentage is 66.7. So if anything, you know, any doubts that we had about him coming in, he's cleared those up and he's fixed our biggest issue, which was the defense. So credit to him. Uh, coming into this Man City game, I told you this on the other day. I was like, well, we're about to play Man City in the final. We've played them in the semifinal. I'm okay if we just don't show for this game. Uh, and jokes aside, it's because you know Pep's going to be watching everything we do from basically the last month for and this point forward. And so I'm almost like, in the top four battle, this game's crucial. But if we get a draw out of it, I'm okay with it. Play the U12s and let Pep try to decipher that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Look, I'll say this. I think Tuchel is a winner. I think mentality-wise, he's a winner. And so he's going to go and want to win. Same with Pep's teams. It doesn't matter if he puts up his second squad or whatever. He's going to want to win. On paper, guys, Manchester City sit top of the league with 80 points. Manchester United second place with 67 points. So really, the league is done and dusted. I think we've said this for weeks. Realistically, can Manchester United catch him? I don't think so. For us, on the grand scheme of things, we do have a trailing pack in 5th, 6th, and 7th with 58, 56, and 54 points. That's West Ham, Tottenham, and Liverpool that are trying to come into the fourth position. So this game does mean quite a bit for us, but I think what the point you made, Rahul, is, is a lot of sense. Do we need to go out there and kill ourselves? Probably not. Would we take a draw? Yes. Do I want to draw? No. I think personally that we need to go out there and show them and maybe play a little bit of mind games even and say, we're here to win. We're here to show you guys that we can beat Manchester City as we've already done for the season. Alex? Yeah, what better way to go into a a Champions League final against a team than having beat them in both of your most recent appearances? There's there's certainly, I mean, that's got to be all the all the fear factor you, you need in terms of putting them off ahead of such a big game. So I, I, I can't, I mean, it's so easy, honestly, to get overconfident under Tuchel for me. And we know Chelsea as a club never tend to make things that easy, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm riding the high of having kept a clean sheet against Madrid I'm looking at how we played against them last time. Maybe if even they didn't, they didn't fully show up or play their best game. 
I, I've got to be predicting a Chelsea win here. I don't know if if that's the next the next move to to hit some match predictions, but I can't see us I can't see us easing up. So maybe that's the answer that that I do. You can't ever guarantee that our boys are going to go out and win, but I'm quite confident that they're going to show up and they're going to show up hungry to win this game. Yeah, go ahead and give us a match prediction then. Oh my, this, uh, I, I wasn't actually thinking about it. I was thinking about doing it. Um, uh, I, I mean, last time I went 2-0 against Madrid, but that was always going to be a slightly cagier game. I feel right. like this one, Man City doesn't have anything to lose, really. I mean, they're probably, they, they're going to win the title no matter what, likely. Um, they might just go for their free-flowing attacking self. So I would, I could see us conceding in this match for sure. Um, but maybe I'm going 3-1 Chelsea. I'm going 3-1 Chelsea because I have faith. If we, if we do anything near the expected goals that we did against Madrid or, and put some in, um, I think we're going 3-1. Your analysis is spot on. I love it. If we do anything close to the expected goals, we should be taking a 3 nail at this point. So I like yeah. that analysis. I'm going to hold my prediction. Rahul, I want to get your opinion first. Uh, any thoughts and then maybe a, a prediction? Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I... This game's almost like, yes, it's important for the top four race, but knowing that there's a bigger picture in a couple of weeks, I'm almost like, let's play the players we may not play in that final and let them get a run out like a Tammy Abraham or Giroud. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have a job to do and we've got to stay professional. So and I think Tuchel will do that. Uh, this game could be the game that wins Man City the title. And so they are going to come out ready to give us a game. And we said Pep might play a second squad. His second squad as good as many first squads in the in the Premier League. Uh, so I agree with Alex. It's not going to be uh, a cagey game. Man City will come out to try and win it. I think Chelsea will come out and try to not lose it in that a draw is good enough. And I think it ends as a draw 1-1. Okay, fair enough. So we've got a 3-1 and a 1-1 here. For me, interestingly enough, I think I agree with both of the points you guys are making. I think Manchester City's second team is good enough to be anybody's first team. But one thing I'm interested to note is perhaps Pep will play his second team and these guys are going to want to put in a performance because they they think they can make it to the Champions League final and, and perform for Pep there. So I think they're going to be hungry. But on the flip side... Tuchel does rotate some of his players. I think we're going to have a little bit of rotation and these guys are also going to want to make a good impression, get those points to get us to keep that top four position. And also, hey, watch me. I want to make it into the final. Maybe Christian Pulisic will say, start me, boss, start me, boss, start me, boss. So we'll see how that plays out. I think it's going to be 2-1 to Chelsea. Wow, you guys are pretty bold out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fascinating game. It's going to be interesting tactical again like we've seen in the in the FA Cup semi-final. Chelsea go into this game having not won at the Etihad for the last three games. So last three seasons we've gone there in the Premier League, we haven't won a game at all and actually lost uh, by a 9-1 aggregate score. So uh, if there's any time to break that run, it's this time and it's this season and it's before the Champions League to let them know that we're we're not just going to be there to make up the numbers. We're actually a team to be feared. So uh, should be a good game. And some of the other games, just real quick, in the top four battle, Leicester play Newcastle, Liverpool play Southampton, uh, Leeds play Tottenham. So it could be an opportunity for us to maybe clear, move clear a little bit. West Ham play Everton. 
so if we can get a point or three, I think will be good for us. And then we obviously have Arsenal coming up, which we'll preview uh, after the Man City game. But any parting thoughts from you guys before we wrap it up, Alex? No, I think this is just, it's do or die right now. And I, I hope some of these players do get a run out. This is, um, I mean, you guys have brought up maybe uh, Tammy Abraham or Giroud. I do feel bad for them. We know they're both quality players. They've got good minutes to goal ratios. They're, I mean, they're doing, they're behaving professionally. Tammy's celebrating on the sidelines. Giroud never says a word. Um, I, I do hope, I mean, maybe, maybe I hope, maybe they deserve uh, to play here, but you cannot really argue with success. So if the results keep coming in, that's what's important from here on out. And hopefully Chelsea just finishes this season with a lot of W's. Yeah, great parting thoughts from there. I think I agree with everything you said. My only parting thoughts, guys, and it's pretty straightforward, is I'm super happy when the Champions League final, we're in the top four. It's crunch time now, and I can't be more than excited that we're at this stage in the season. Yep, this is this is the joy of being a Chelsea fan, being right at the end of the season and a lot to fight for. So uh, that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels, and we're available on all podcast providers. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, so do find us. Uh, and as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back later this week to do a Man City review and an Arsenal preview. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels.